Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I'm glad to have Dr. Peter Kapsner in studio with me today. And we're always excited to uh, chat with our friend Jay John, who's coming to us all the way from England. And Peter, it's going to be a great, uh, great hour. As always, I don't know how you wrestled him into joining us every few months like this, but isn't it, isn't it quarterly that you agree for a lifetime? Yes, Maybe for even a extending lifetime. into eternity for I'm what looking I at the paperwork right now. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, he just got back from his first vacation, his first uh, holiday in two years. And this is the very first thing he's doing since his return from vacation. So. I, ho- I hope he's ready to go. Uh, do you think it's right that we feel flattered by that? It seems like we should. <laughs> maybe maybe we shouldn't. Maybe this is just a functional thing. But but it is pretty amazing to welcome yeah. him back. So yeah, uh, Jay John is a, a minister, speaker, and and teaches about God's uh, love to uh, anyone he can. He's um, can learn more about him at canonjjohn dot com. C A N O N J J O H N dot com. Canon J John. Welcome. Thank you, Bill. And thank you, Peter. Always a a joy to join you. I always sense there's sacred synergy between us and across the pond. So we're sending you greetings from over here. It's a little bit chilly over here. What's it like over there? Well, we're enjoying uh, some awfully nice autumn uh, weather and some nice warm temperatures with the leaves turning. It's really quite lovely. Oh, lovely. And we we talk in Fahrenheit, so if I threw out a, a temperature, you might go, oh, I don't know how, how warm that is. <laughs> what is it in Celsius in England right now? Oh, well, um, I, as you said in your intro, um, we I got back from Greece from our holiday and uh, yesterday, actually, and we were freezing. Um, so the, the temperature over here was about 15 degrees. I think that that's trans- cold. Yeah, I, I think I've heard. Am I wrong in saying that I've heard that if you double it and add in like the twenty-eight to thirty neighborhood, you're kind of in that Fahrenheit. So it sounds like you're maybe in yes. the fifties Fahrenheit. Yeah, yeah that's, that's chilly. chilly. Yeah. That's definitely chilly. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad we're going to have oh. some t- uh, some time, Jay John, to talk about uh, Christian foundations. I think there's never a bad time to to be bringing this to discussion and to uh, focus on uh, the Bible, God's Word, and and who He is and our identity in Christ. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, what I've enjoyed about um, our discussions and conversation is that every time it kind of um, inspires us to think, well, what what can we do? And and over here in England, and I'm sure in America, you know, with the start of the new school or college university term, it feels like a new year. And um, hence, I thought, well, it'd be very good for us to have this conversation about uh, Christian foundations. Um, so shall I kick off with the first one? I would love for you to do so. Well, one thing that I, I say regularly uh, when I'm preaching and teaching is I would rather stand with God and be judged by the world than stand with the world and be judged by God. Um, and I, I think that's a very important um, truth 
that we need to grasp and ponder because today to stand firm with our beliefs is to be like a rock in the middle of a stream, the only solid thing in an area of fluidity. And, you know, will I, will you, Bill, will you, Peter, will all our listeners, you know, will, will we be the rock that redirects the course of the river? And as I've pondered this, I think that there are four non-negotiables. And the first is the Bible. The Bible is the only reliable data we have about God. I, I, again, that is a really important truth, uh, Bill Peter. Maybe that's something we might talk together on. But it is the only reliable data we have about God. Uh, some people think the Bible is a dry book. But when you know the author, it is a living book. The Bible is the only book we can read along with the author. And that's quite a thought, isn't it? There's no other book quite like it. You can actually read the Bible along with the author. And I like what the evangelist D.R. Moody said. I prayed for faith and thought it would strike me like lightning, but faith did not come. One day I read, now faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I had closed my Bible and prayed for faith. Now I began to study my Bible and faith has been growing ever since. And I can honestly testify to that truth in my own life. Now, the Bible enables us to find, to filter and to have a foundation. So to find the Bible lets us find our position and direction. A bit like a GPS technology, we can know where we are and where we are going. And I like what Psalm 119 verse 105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. But it's also a filter. And we all have antivirus software on our computers to avoid viruses infiltrating we filter water and there are some rapid poisons but there are also some slow acting poisons which distort growth and both need to be filtered out and not taken in and of course prevention is better than cure and the bible filters the world's beliefs again 2 timothy 3 verse 16 all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We find it filters and it's a foundation. You know, we are surrounded by a turbulent and corrosive sea of beliefs. Without foundations in place, we can drift. And the Bible gives us foundations and it gives us stability. 
the Bible remains the only authoritative guide on what we are to do and what we are not to do. So those are my starting uh, points for our conversation. When I'm listening to you say that, Jay John, I'm inside, I'm thinking, oh, you're talking about something that I love more than anything. You're talking about something I treasure with all my heart. And even hearing you describe God's word, it makes me love it even more because it is, in fact, the only uh, source of authority that I have in my life. And it's God's love message to us. It just makes me uh, love it even more hearing you talk about it. Yeah, and I'm well, I, I agree with you. And I think it saddens me as I have conversations with people that I encounter around how so many followers of Jesus are not taking the Bible seriously. Yeah, that breaks my heart. It does. And I'd be curious too, because there's so much scripture. You just got done reading that passage of scripture that says all scripture is God breathed. And and I think part of the, the joy is the hunt through so many passages of scripture that maybe are unfamiliar. And yet when they are rightly divided, they do, they just do that God breathed work. Oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. You know, it was said of John Newton, um, who wrote Amazing Grace, that if you cut John Newton open, hmm. um, the Bible would have fallen out of him because his blood was bibline. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's an, I mean, I'd love it if someone ever said that about me, you know, that I'm so full of, <laughs> of the word of God and scripture. And, and yeah, I just, I feel I want to inspire all of our listeners um, and, you know, and my own myself, look, let's let's build our lives on his word. What do you suggest for people that maybe feel a bit daunted by the scriptures? At recent check, I think there's about 33,000 passages of scripture. So for somebody that wants to really start trying to understand what scripture is saying, what do you suggest for them? Do they, do they listen to people that are teaching the scriptures? Can they get it on their own? And if so, how do they best do that? Well, yeah, I, first of all, I, we need to do it ourselves. I think we need to read it. We need to hear it. Um, there are so many different plans that are available to us. The one I personally follow is a Bible reading plan uh, that was put together by an incredible Scotsman uh, called Robert Murray McShane. And, and I follow his Bible reading plan where you read two chapters in the morning, two chapters in the evening. And now if you if you are able to stick to it in a year, you would have read the Old Testament once, the book of Psalms twice and the New Testament twice in one year. Now, so if you're doing that year by year by year, you're really getting into the word, you're allowing the word to get into you, you're just letting the Lord speak to you. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, in addition, there are so many other ways where we can unpack scripture. But I, I think the essential thing I think is missing from a lot of people I've, I've spoken to is their own personal reading of scripture 
All right, we'll take a little break. We're talking to uh, Canon J. John. You can head to canonjjohn.com to learn more about his powerful ministry. We're talking about Christian foundations, and we'll be right back in just a minute. So glad to have Ken and Jay John as our guest. Dr. Peter Kapsner and I are always delighted when we get a chance to talk to him for many reasons. He, uh, if you cut him open, he would bleed scripture. Yeah, yeah. it was, it was, bibli- how did he say it? I don't know. I liked it though. I did too. I, I'm ready to say it about him. Yes, I, because it, clearly when you, you can just ask him any question at all and it seems like something is going to be tumbling out from those 33,000 verses that we described. Exactly, exactly. But Love we're it. talking about Christian foundations today. And there's four areas to our conversation that we're going to try to cover today. We just finished covering the Bible. Now we're going to talk about the breath of God. I'm looking forward to this one. And Peter, even during the break, you said, I can't wait to hear what he says about the breath of God. For sure. That makes two of us. It does. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, Bill and Peter. And we had a, a, a little conversation about the breath of God when we discussed uh, Pentecost. But when I considered Christian foundations... And I, I thought these were four very important foundations that any believer in Christ needs to embrace and follow. So the first one is the Bible, the book of God. The second one is the breath of God. And breath refers to the Holy Spirit, the breath, the life of God, the spirit of God's creative, revealing and inspiring inspiring power which we read about in Genesis chapter 2. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. And we read in John 20 verse 19 on the evening of that first day of the week When the disciples were together, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Bethlehem was God with us. Calvary was God for us. And Pentecost is God in us. Again, in Acts, we read in Acts 1 verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. And Zechariah 4 verse 6 reminds us, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And we're told Uh, in scripture uh, three times do not grieve the holy spirit in ephesians 4 30 do not quench the holy spirit in 1 thessalonians 5 19 
do not resist the Holy Spirit in Acts 7 verse 51. Now, one of the beautiful pictures about receiving Christ and the one that helped me uh, when I became a follower of Jesus as a student in London was when the Christian that was telling me about Jesus, he showed me that beautiful picture in Revelation 3 verse 20, where it says Jesus stands at the door of a house knocking. And if you hear the knock, open the door, let Jesus in. And I did that on the 9th of February, 1975. I said, Jesus, if you're knocking on my door, come into my life, come into my house. Now, many people do that. Okay, when he comes in, how does he come in? Well, of course, he comes in by the presence of his Holy Spirit. Well, where does he go when he's in? I think sometimes some of us, can open a cupboard and we say to Jesus, go in there, and then we shut the cupboard. In other words, we want Jesus in, but we don't want him to have that freedom in our lives. Hence the fact we read those three do nots, do not grieve, do not quench, do not resist. I like that analogy because what we need to do in practice is to allow the Holy Spirit to come down into the basement of our life and, and just clear out whatever's there. Come into the attic of our life, clear out what shouldn't be there. Come into the sitting room of our life, the bedroom of our life, the dining room of our life. And it's a whole ongoing experience of allowing Jesus by his spirit to have more of us and the more that we surrender to his presence to his power to his peace the more we're going to be empowered by his holy spirit to be his children to be his witnesses and to be his followers so bill peter we need more of the holy spirit in our lives i'm curious why the metaphor of breathe or of breath? Is there something maybe that that is of depth and substance that's worth looking at here? Because I'm looking at the Gospel of John chapter 20, and after Jesus rises from the dead and he, he's with his disciples, he says, that peace be with you, overjoyed, all of this. And then he says, I am sending you. And with that, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So he didn't say, I'm giving you the Spirit. He didn't say, I'm praying for you. He, he literally breathed on them. Is there something where maybe missing there or something worth attending to about the breath of God? Well, yeah, that's why I really like that whole thing of, of breath, because obviously if we don't breathe, then we don't live. We can't be alive. So it's almost like him saying that him breathing the Holy Spirit on them was that the Holy Spirit is oxygen to us in the same way that we need, you know, uh, air to breathe. We need the Holy Spirit to live. I love that. And I find that passage that Peter just talked about fascinating, about God breathing on on the disciples. And I don't know if I, if I think about that very much, but it is an incredibly powerful image 
It is because now yeah. I'm sitting here thinking that when Paul reflects on it, says, you know, in him, we live and move and have our being. And what yeah. you just said yeah. that we live within God's oxygen, we, we literally can't live how we're intended to live without living within the oxygen of God. This, I haven't thought of that kind of thought before, do you, John? Yes, yes. And so if, you, if we think like of a balloon um, uh, that's empty, it, you know, there's nothing to it. But if you breathe air into it, 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 it becomes what it was created to be. So I think in a similar way, um, we, we need to breathe in the Holy Spirit and I, I daily uh, uh, read his word and I daily pray uh, to be filled with his presence. If I'm going to be animated by the spirit of God, I'm A-OK with God breathing on me, breathing <laughs> into me, breathing around me. Any way he wants to breathe, I want to have it uh, because Absolutely. that's going to give me life and power in him. Yeah, and we want that because we want to be carriers of God's presence. Um, I, my wife and I went to this um, re- restaurant that we like going, you know, occasionally on a day off. And um, uh, the owner, who's also the chef, as we walked in, he came up and he said, oh, I'm so pleased you two are coming, you know, we're booked in for, for lunch today. He said, because when you come into my restaurant, he says, you bring in an aura. Now, he's not a believer, Mm. but he could sense that we carry something. You know, he doesn't have the vocabulary that we bring in the aroma of Christ, you know. But but I said to him, well, actually, every time we come to your restaurant, we pray the peace and the presence of God in your restaurant. And he was like, oh, I can't believe you do that. Oh, I'm so happy. Anyway, and we're helping him on his journey of faith. And he, we've taken him to church a couple of times. Well, I love that story. And I am encouraged, Jay John, that you would pray in advance of a familiar place you go to, a place that you would love to have an influence for Christ on the owner. And you do it so intentionally, you and your wife, prior to going in that you care about this dear man that's going to be making your lunch. Yeah, well, absolutely. And he's one of those people that that my wife and I pray for every day. We pray for him and his wife and his daughter uh, to come to know the Lord. And, and so where we can, Lord, we're always praying, may your aroma, your presence that's mm-hmm. in us, yeah. may it just permeate through us. That's wonderful. Yeah, take a little break. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion with Jay John. You can go to canonjjohn.com, learn more about him. And we're going to continue our discussion on Christian foundations. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the blood of Christ. That's all coming up next. Show with Bill Arnold. 
is the afternoon show, and it's the evening show for our guest, Jay John, who is calling all the way across the pond in uh, England. And I don't know what time it is over there for you, but it's getting late. So I appreciate you spending time with us uh, today on the show. Uh, you can go to canonjjohn.com to learn more about his amazing ministry. I encourage you to do so. Uh, his writing, his uh, speaking, all there at canonjjohn.com. We're talking about Christian foundations today. Dr. Peter Kapsner and I are always happy when we get to talk to J. John. And the first two areas we covered were the Bible and the breath of God. And now we're going to talk about the blood of Christ. But before we do, right before we went to break, we were talking about the uh, the going into a restaurant and the way uh, Canon uh, J. John and his wife, Kelly, pray for the owner and the restaurant before they go in. And I thought, what a great uh, practice that is. Yeah, that was, that was stunning to me to think about if if all the people listening, if that's what we did, if we just committed to a year, the entire Faith Radio family, and said every restaurant we go into, we're going to pray for the restaurant, pray for the owner, pray for the situation. I I think it's fascinating that yeah. questions would get asked from that. Yeah. So and and on and on that bill, Peter, um, we my wife and I felt we should invite him and his wife to come for Sunday lunch, and uh, so we invited them. We said, would you like to come to our home? Sunday lunch and he started crying Hmm. and um, (laughs) he said in all the years that I've been running this restaurant he said no one has invited us for Sunday lunch wow incredible so he came for Sunday lunch they came for Sunday lunch that's fantastic and um, he he's a Michelin star chef yeah how did they like your cooking yeah (laughs) (laughs) that was on my mind too (laughs) but you know what was amazing was that we just had this prompting just invite them for lunch yeah and did, they were just overwhelmed. Did you order takeout from his restaurant? <laughs> That's no. what I would have done. <laughs> no, but, it, you know, and then the, anyway, we'll, we'll talk more about that on another program. Yes, personal evangelism. Indeed. That's wonderful. All right, let's get back yeah. to Christian foundations. We covered the Bible and the breath of God. Let's move into the blood of Christ. Yes, the blood of Christ. Now, this is something, Bill, Peter, uh, I don't know what it's like over a year in the in the u.s but we don't seem to talk much about the blood of christ over here but without blood there cannot be life in our physical body and the blood of christ keeps us alive and healthy and jesus said for this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins matthew 26 verse 28 We also read in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Colossians 1 verse 14. The 22 sermons recorded in the book of Acts understood that Christ's death and the provision of covering by the blood was the essential ingredient of the gospel. Christ's blood is perfect. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I just love those words from a classic old hymn. 
Christ's blood is precious. We read in 1 Peter 1, 19, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Christ's blood is perpetual. We read in Hebrews 13, verse 20, the blood of the everlasting covenant. Christ's blood is powerful. We read in Revelation 12, verse 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Christ's blood is permanent. And we read in 1 John 1, verse 7, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Be assured that there is no sin you have ever committed that the blood of Jesus Christ cannot cleanse. The blood of Jesus washes away our past and the name of Jesus opens us to the future. So let's honour the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm, I'm a great uh, encourager in encouraging followers of Jesus, uh, Bill and Peter, to take Holy Communion, uh, to break bread regularly. And I'll, I'll just tell you one story. Uh, this professor, who's a member of my church, he came up to me and he said, oh, J. John, he says, please, you've got to pray for me. Um, I've just been diagnosed uh, with prostate cancer. And I, I said to him, look, Brian, I will, I will pray for you. But I said, what I'd like you to do is to take Holy Communion as a healing sacrament. And he said, well, what, what do you mean? What does that mean? I said, listen, Jesus died on the cross and he died on the cross uh, to save us, uh, to deliver us and to heal us. So I said, when you take Holy Communion today, I said, receive the bread, receive the wine and just say, Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross to heal me. Anyway, he said, OK, I'll do it. So he did it. A few weeks later, he bounces up to me and he says, J. John, I don't know what on earth has happened. I don't know whether I was misdiagnosed, but I have absolutely no cancer. And many, many times with people who are battling um, with ill health of a major kind, I will encourage them um, to take Holy Communion. So anyway. Yeah, I wonder if you that's uh, just to stay in that, that river a bit, J. John. I, I remember puzzling over some passages in the Old Testament as I was trying to understand the shedding of blood and the sacrificing and came across uh, one of the, the prohibitions that the Israelites had was to not drink the blood of the animal. For it says in the Hebrew that the life of the animal or sort of the animating force of the animal is in the blood. And so in that time, the, the community would gather regularly, right, with sacrifices and they would put their hands on the animals and they really saw it that they were exchanging their polluted blood or their sinful blood and pouring it into the innocent animal whose blood was then shed and it would, it would cleanse the sins of the community. But, but Hebrews talks about that that was, they had to do that all the time, that it was not effective permanently, but Jesus's blood is the once for all sacrifice. And so as we sort of pour our polluted blood into his, his death breaking blood, um, that that's where we find that life. And that's where communion I think comes in if I would understand correctly. Yes, I, yeah, absolutely. 
and I, I agree with that. And also, you know, people who feel unforgiven and or they feel, you know, a bit dirty or they've sinned and, you know, they haven't really encountered the cross mm. and the blood of Jesus. Because we know that if we confess our sins, um, that the Lord will forgive us. Jay John, I'm thinking of a passage in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, that says, How much more is done by the blood of Christ? He offered himself through the eternal spirit as a perfect sacrifice to God. His blood will make our consciences pure from useless acts so that we may serve the living God. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't that that's so powerful, isn't it? It really and I, is. And I, and I frequently, you know, I, I, I'm... Tr- going into different situations and I'm always praying the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus and the cross of Jesus. I I pray, you know, as you've heard already, I read the Bible every day. I I pray to be filled with his presence, the presence of his spirit. And I also pray to be covered by the blood of the lamb. I pray that every day. Cover me, Lord, with the blood of the lamb. May I know the truth of what you did for us for me on the cross and i i i think by praying it i'm reinforcing it into my very being and i think i think that's important and i think sharing those prayers with other believers and sharing the communion cup and the bread with other believers that then there gets to be almost a communal power associated with this right in terms of how we live with one another underneath the blood of jesus Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, look, I, I know that there are different views when it comes to Holy Communion, but I think sometimes we've kind of almost downplayed it. Oh, it's just symbolism. I, I, I think it's more than that. I, I think something happens by the grace and the spirit of God. Um, and I, you know, I think we, we need to those foundations that I believe are of huge significance are, are the Bible, the breath of God, the blood of Jesus. No, I think, Jay John, as a, um, a host of a radio show where I pray every day that my words will be uh, biblical, my doctrine will be sound, my thinking will be clear, but you're still putting words out into the, into the air. And so I've sometimes prayed the image of this hedge that's around the microphone. So when the words leave my mouth, they have to pass through this, the blood of Christ as they go out into the airwaves, because it's so easy for, uh, you know, people to hear certain things or for me to not be, not having my, my thinking be clear. So I always pray for clear focused thinking and the ability to handle the word of God. Well, Absolutely. Do you know, when my wife and I, I mean, we we travel extensively um, for ministry, we're we're going to a hotel room. Okay, the first thing we do, we walk in, close the door. And the first thing we do is we pray, Lord, cleanse this room. Mm -hmm. We don't know what it's been used for before. We lay hands on on the bed. Lord, we don't know whether adultery is taking place in this bed or fornication. But Lord, we pray that you'd cleanse this bed, that it'd be a pure bed. So that when we sleep, we'll know that we invite your presence into this hotel room. 
that it will be a place where it will renew us in body, mind and spirit, be a safe place for us. Do you know something that that prayer, what, less than one minute, the room is transformed. Mm, Yeah. You can feel it. You can actually feel something has changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That prayer has overrides any pagan activity or yes or sinful absolutely. activity that has gone on there who knows what yeah. has been said in that room what has been yeah, spoken for sure, for sure even if people have brought uh, evil into that room and the yes. and the yeah. the, the, ref, the outcome of that are still present in the room mm-hmm. for sure. and and we overcome it by the blood of the lamb mm-hmm. and so mm. pray those prayers and then in the name of jesus by the cross of jesus by the blood of jesus and it, it just gives you that authority to speak it into being all right we'll take a break when we come back uh, we're going to continue our discussion with j john and you can go to uh, canon i encourage you to do so to learn more about him See his good-looking picture. We can also we'll come, come back. Dr. Peter Kapsner and I are so glad to be uh, having him uh, as our guest today. As we talk about Christian foundations, we're going to come back with the final one, which is the Bride of Christ. That's all coming up next. speaking intercontinentally <laughs> it does indeed especially yes. with the kind of content this intercontinental content is yes it's flying I like by. That. it's amazing i like that our, our guest is uh jay john you can go to canon jayjohn.com to learn more about uh jay john and we're also glad that we're having a chance to talk about christian foundations they're always uh, it's always a good great topic if you've missed any of this uh so far i highly recommend going to the podcast and you can go to myfaithradio.com in the afternoon show page and you can find Canon J. John, and you can just hit play, and you can start from the beginning. We talked about the Bible, the breath of God, the blood of Christ, and the last uh, thing we're going to talk about, this last area, is is the bride of Christ. J. John, I would like to hear your perspective Absolutely. on this. Thank you, Bill. Yeah. Well, yes, of course, the bride of Christ. The church is called the bride of Christ, and Christ is the bridegroom. And one day the church will meet her groom, Jesus Christ. The bride of Christ should be beautiful and pure on that day. But if the wedding took place today, what would the bride look like? Would she be all that the groom expected or would he be disappointed? Would he be saddened at the corruption in the church? Would he be disturbed by the lack of love for one another? Would Jesus be surprised at the lack of commitment to his bride? If the wedding took place today, how would the bride of Christ look? Would she be pure? In Ephesians 5 verse 23, we read, Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean washed by the cleansing of God's word. 
He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy without fault. Um, I love the church. And I love the church because Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. Some people say, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. Well, this is not possible. And it's like severing the head from the body because the church is the body of Christ and he is the head. And I, I like what St. Augustine wrote. We cannot have God as our father without having the church as our mother. And so Hebrews 10, 25 says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I love the church because the church is God's family. And however dysfunctional our family is, they are still our family. Your giant redwood uh, trees, Bill, Peter, in America are, are my favourite trees. And um, I did a bit of research on them and I discovered that they have shallow roots. Now, how can they stay strong and not topple over without deep roots? And the reason is because the redwood trees are connected together by their roots. And since they are connected together at the roots, they are able to stand strong and withstand the storms and the wind. And as Christians, when we are rooted together in Christ, we are able to withstand a lot of difficulties because we're connected together. I love the church. And because I love the church, I will pray for her, I will support her, and I will serve her. Jay John, when we talk about the church, maybe it's a good idea that we define the church. And I, I believe it's the those who have trusted in Jesus Christ as their save as their personal savior and have received eternal life. That is the church. Yeah. And the, and the word uh, church in Greek is ecclesia, and the word ecclesia literally means gathering, the gathered. So it's, it's, it's being together, and it's gathering together, you know, for fellowship, for worship, for the study of the word, for uh, breaking of bread. That's what we're instructed to do. Um, in the New Testament, in in those gatherings, uh, J. John, is it does it the size and the number of people doing the gathering is that indicative of something that is better or worse than, or, or can it be possible that you have thousands gathering and and we're not getting the rootedness that we need versus maybe some or there's the number of people doesn't really matter, right? No, it doesn't, and yeah, and thank you for highlighting that, and that's why I'm always very encouraged. Um, that the Lord said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. Um, yeah, I, I think it's the Lord will be with us. 
um, as, as we gather intentionally to worship and fellowship. When we talk about uh, the church being uh, a group of professing believers, uh, I think that the, the word church, the way it gets used today, especially here in the West, J. John, is uh, people saying, well, yeah, I, I belong to a church. And it's almost like I want to say, well, have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Is that the part of the church that you belong to? Uh, I, I see that the church is taking a kind of a steady decline here in America. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, you know, uh, we need to uh, believe and behave and belong. Mm. Yeah, there's a, there's a, a responsibility, isn't there? And uh, I think because the fringe has grown as well, that we don't necessarily make it clear. You know, if you were a member of a golf club, you would know what the rules and regulations are to be a member. And if you broke those rules, you'd probably get a warning. And then after a warning, they might then discontinue your membership. Whereas sometimes in our churches, we're not being clear on what it means to be a member. In other words, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? You know, it's yes, there's a belief, but there is also a behavior which then enables you to belong. When you look from the perspective of history, JJ, I'd be curious your thoughts on we see sometimes the gatherings that are the people following Jesus fall into corruption or decay or immorality. And other times in history, you see these profound movements of the spirit where there's renewal and this light bearing, light shining witness in the world around us. Do, do we, can we learn anything from that in the midst of what seems to be not just a perceived but an actual decay to to attend to as a gathering to to sort of reshine that light and be that bride that you described? Yeah, obviously picking up on that first part of what you were saying, it is very sad um, when there is corruption in the church, um, and that obviously um, hinders the gospel. It doesn't help, and it uh, opens the door allowing the evil one to gain a foothold. And, um, you know, it, we're told in the words of Jesus in the, on the Sermon in the, the, um, uh, the Mount, the pure shall see God. They're the pure. And, and an interesting, the root word of the word pure in Greek is, you know, those without mixed motives. Mm. And so, you know, often, sadly, there's mixed motives, there is mixed agendas. You know, the only agenda of our lives, of church, is Jesus. I want to honor Jesus. I want to love Jesus. I want to adore Jesus. It's Jesus. And if that's lacking and missing, then you realize we're, we're opening the door to other influences. Mm -hmm. The Bride of Christ is not an institution, yet we have so many man made denominations. Uh, I, I have a feeling there's all kinds of confusion over uh, the true church. Oh, there is so much confusion. And this is where, you know, we have not helped uh, the message, the good news of Jesus Christ to others. And um, so many unbelievers are looking, wondering, why are there so many? And I, I think the thing is, 
that we have to endeavour as local communities to be authentic followers of Jesus and um, honour him in every way and reach our community for Christ. Mm-hmm. Jay John, we only have about 90 seconds left. I want to go back to uh, your favourite restaurant you go to. What kind of food do they serve and what's your favourite meal there? Oh, it, um, it's influenced by French cuisine and, um, oh, well, it's it's the culinary experience of it <laughs> that we love. You know, I had a sabbatical, and um, after being in ministry for twenty five years, and um, I went with my wife to a culinary school for a, a week, and um, so all morning we cooked, and that's what we ate for breakfast, and then oh, all nice. afternoon we cooked, and that's what we <laughs> ate. <laughs> nice, nice, amazing. Well, we we love. You, we love having you on the show. Thank you thank so you. much for spending time with us. Well, thank you very much. Yep. Our guest has been Canon J. John. You go to canonjjohn.com. That wraps up our show. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.